media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Last week we had the great honor to celebrate with our high school seniors as they launched out into the world and we challenged them and ourselves uh, of a challenge that the Apostle Paul gave to his spiritual son, Timothy, throughout the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, and that was to hold on to the truth. And so if you were here last week, and you remember as we're sending kids off to colleges, uh, to careers, to all kinds of different things, we said, okay, one of the most important things in this time when you really want to, as parents, hold on to them, uh, Paul says, hold on to the truth. And I can imagine, I, I happened to look around and I told Carly, I said it was interesting to, to see the faces last week. Because not only the faces of the parents of the ones that were here, that were part of that senior thing, but the ones that are like, they have freshmen and, and middle schoolers, and they're looking like, like some of y'all cried the whole entire time. You're going, this is happening. This is about to happen. And as we come here today and we kind of celebrate the beginning of a lot of the children's lives, believe me, every one of these parents that were here last week, and the ones that kind of cried through the whole message last week said, blink and you'll be here. And we'll go from baby, parent, child, dedication to graduation just like that. And so these words of the Apostle Paul to his spiritual son Timothy, hold on to truth, are so important. I can only imagine this morning that, again, now we see these precious little ones and we're going, but we have to hold on to them right now. And you're right. God has entrusted to you the, the care, the physical care, the emotional care, and the spiritual care of these children. And, and so right now they really are holding on to you. And yet what you do in these opening days and months and years of their lives We'll give them that foundation that 18 years from now or fast forward to the graduation that you'll be able to say, hold on to truth. This morning as we open up our Bibles, let's look again at what Timothy or what Paul wrote to Timothy last week. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 14 and 15. And I want you to notice kind of how he phrases this to his spiritual son. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And the first part, he says, okay, it's not that I'm introducing new truth to you. You already know this truth. You've already been exposed to this truth. If we go back to the other letter that he wrote, we see that uh, this truth was there by the mother and, and by the grandmother and other influential people in their lives. So Paul's not the first one to speak truth into young Timothy. He said, but I'm here to encourage you. And there's going to be a day and a time that it's going to be a teacher, it's going to be a, a coach, it's going to be a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or it's going to be a husband or a spouse that will kind of take over that uh, alongside you, that, that voice of encouragement. But for right now, young parents, I mean, this care is, is not just upon you, but your surrounding family and your church family for us to do the spiritual care of these young boys and these young girls so that one day we would be able to say, continue in what you've learned. But this isn't something new, but continue what you've learned and have firmly believed. Now look at the second part of it. It says, knowing from whom you've learned it. I had my grandson's, uh, uh, my second grandson's uh, first birthday yesterday, and, and we were just talking about, uh, you know, just uh, I can't wait for fishing trips and camping trips and all that kind of stuff because I promise you more good theology is discussed on the fishing boat than in church sometimes. I mean, those are the life lessons when you're going, 
Now, where you can really get down and you can just heart to heart speak into their lives and those life lessons that are right there. And that's what he's talking about, knowing from whom you've learned it. These are people that you can trust. And look at the last part of that. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Now, look at the end. Look at the end. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says, hold on to the truth. Remember those that taught you this truth. Continue in this truth. Why? Because they point you to salvation. I I wish we could guarantee the salvation of our kids. I wish we could guarantee that. I wish there was something that we could do that would just make a guarantee of that happen. But but it's the sovereign work of God. And yet he does tell us how we participate here. He said, as you teach them scripture, as you expose them to the beauty of the gospel, it points them in the sacred writings to this knowledge of salvation. How does it do that? Well, it points out that they have fallen from, uh, that they have sinned, that they haven't always made the wise, wisest choices, and, and that the only remedy was what God came up with, that God said before the foundation of the world that he was going to send his own son so that they would have this hope. That's what the sacred writings tell us. Today we call it the Bible. This morning at the breakfast we gave a, a, a Bible to, to each of the families and, and to each one of the, the children being dedicated today. And, and it's a, a children's kind of Bible. It just tells the stories of the Bible. But it tells it in a certain way. Every one of those stories very much point to Christ being the center of the hope. That even when we go back and we see the story of creation, it points to Jesus. That when we go to Noah and the ark, believe it or not, Yes, it's a story about a lot of animals and it's pretty kind of cool that he would build this big old ark and all that stuff, but it points to Jesus. The Bible, guys, is one story. A story of the redemptive plan of a loving and holy God who has made a way for us to know him and not only know him, but spend eternity with him. These sacred writings, this Bible, tell us about our need, but God's answer. And so when we look in the Old Testament, we see God's call of Abraham. That points to Jesus. When we see the parting of the Red Sea, you're going, that's really cool that they were able to walk across on dry ground. And it points to Jesus. (laughs) David and Goliath points to Jesus. Joseph and his brothers, it points to Jesus. Daniel and the lion's den, all cool stories. My favorite stories, but they all point to Jesus. They're all just kind of a pre-runner of what God is doing when he brings his son in that redemptive plan to this world. That's why the little byline, I love it in in that Bible that that we gave you on the front, it says, because every story whispers his name. Isn't that kind of cool way of saying it? That every story, Old Testament, whispering the name of Christ, pointing to this redemptive work. There's also a second blessing that we begin to see there. Not only does it, the scripture make us wise through faith, uh, for salvation through faith in Christ, but it's also a great blessing to raise our children in the word because it helps us to trust God's plan for our children. I think one of the reasons why we get so emotional when we start thinking about our kids leaving home, growing up, and growing older is that we wonder if we've done enough. Have you ever found that in your life? 
oh my goodness, Carly and I, we raised our girls in the church. We, we did everything we could. We prayed for them. We, we surrounded them with gospel-believing and centered people. And yet when they walked out and, you know, on that sweaty day when I got done moving them into their college dorm and all that kind of stuff, you leave that day. And they always say, mamas cry on the way to college and daddies cry on the way home. And we found that to be true. And one of the things that hit my heart that had me kind of crying like a baby as I dropped off my baby there at college was number one, kind of being overwhelmed. Oh my goodness, look how vulnerable she is. But number two, this question in the back of my mind, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Now please hear this. God's grace is greater than anything that you could ever do for your child. You play an important part, but God's grace and his majesty can cover up truly years of deficiency. It can cover up. Now, that's not God's intention. He wants to, again, what does he say? I want you to remember the scripture because they will make you wise for salvation. I I want these homes to be gospel-centered and Christ-centered, and you'll have more of a blessed life because of that. You'll be wise into salvation, he says. But what if you missed the boat? What if your parents weren't even Christian? God, in his amazing grace, Preach the gospel to you. Make mention the gospel. Show you your need for a savior and he offers you Christ. And yet one of the reasons why we come to the scripture and we train up a child in scripture is not only so that they could be wise into salvation, as Paul said there, but that you and I as parents could say, okay, God, we're really not the ones that are really directing this whole ship. We think we are and we certainly try to. But God, without your grace, without your mercy, without your sovereignty over our child. And so all of a sudden we begin to see that in this parenting thing that God says, look to me, not just for your children, but for your heart. Think about it. At a very time that you don't want to let go. And last week, as we told those seniors and and all those families, Every emotion says, don't let go. God says, you know, no trust. You take hold of the word of truth. Story after story in the Bible, when you start thinking about it, reflect this whole nature of God telling parents to let go. Remember the story of Moses? His mom's name was Jochebed. And can you imagine, mamas, now that you've held your sweet babies? Can you imagine daddies? If your wife came and said, okay, here's the plan. We're going to make this little basket. And then we're going to take little Moses. And we're going to put him over there in, at the edge of the, the river. And we're going to float him down the river. And the first things you think about, at least the first thing I begin to think about, is crocodiles. And this and that and all kinds of things. And did I make the, the little craft well enough to keep water out? And, and what's going to happen? And you find out all of a sudden... When we see that story of Moses being released from his mother's immediate care, that God had a plan and that God could be trusted. What is this day for? Is it so that we can assure that little babies will grow up and be wise into salvation? Yes. But parents and families and every parent here 
Today we focus on this because when we raise our children in the truth of God's word, not only does it have a benefit of steering them in the right direction, but it gives us that ability to let go and trust the plan of God for their life. Think about Abraham, another one of those stories. Well, Abraham, he waits. Well, he didn't wait so patiently. And, but he finally gets the son of the promise. And, and so God tells him after Isaac is starting to, to grow and we think he's a young teenager. And so now he is so fully endeared to his father's heart. And, and God tells Abraham, okay, I want you to go and sacrifice your son, your only son. I, I want you to take him. I want you to take him to the top of this mountain. And I want you to sacrifice him into the Lord. What? What? And yet Abraham is faithful. Why, he just had a moment of great faith. Now, I think that because he began, he, he saw that God was trustworthy. He didn't understand it. I don't think that he had a willing heart of volition to do that. He had a willing heart of worship, as Ricky was talking about. So, okay, God, I trust you. I don't understand this. Some theologians think that uh, that perhaps Abraham thought, okay, even if, he, if I do sacrifice him, you'll bring him back from the dead. But we don't know. We're not told that immediately in the Word, and so uh, we're... Better not guess too too wildly there. But when it came down to it, why did he raise that knife to sacrifice his son? Because he trusted God. Hannah. Really kind of the focus of, of our verse today. And she was barren. She couldn't have children. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. Okay, God, if you just give me a child. I will commit this child to you. Have, have you ever made a deal with God in desperate moments? You say, okay, God, if you do this, I will do that. And we are really sincere when we kind of make those promises. I mean, it's coming from a place of desperation, but also a place where we really do desire, okay, God, I want to do that. But have you ever, not you would do this, but have you ever not backed up your word once God kind of backed up his side of the deal, or whatever deal you tried to make with God. He, he rescued you. He did whatever it was. And then when it really came time to actually follow through, you, you kind of had a challenge and a difficult time. Imagine that Hannah went through that. When we see the life of Hannah, we see that she's not able to have children, and she grieves over that, and she prays, and she cries out to the Lord. Look what it says, First Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, and she vowed a vow. She made a promise and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction, on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son... Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Uh, what does that mean? If you give me a son, I will commit him to, to ministry. I will dedicate him to ministry. They had this thing called the Nazarite. Have you ever heard of Samson? Why did he have long hair? He never got his hair. The Nazarite, they, did, they didn't cut their hair. And so when she says no razor shall touch his head, a lot of people maybe became a Nazarite as they grew up, but very few were ever dedicated from birth. This is an example. Hannah says, look, if you bless me with a a child, remember, she can't have children. If you bless me with a child, I will commit him to your service. That's the promise that she's making. Can you imagine 
We estimate that for three years she was able to raise immediately this child. But once that child weaned from his mom, that she was to drop him off with the Levites and, and with all the uh, church authorities. She could still visit from time to time, but basically now little Samuel was not hers, but was now dedicated to the Lord. Can you understand and identify with the desperation in verse 1? Can you understand and identify with the desperation of making a promise, a vow to the Lord that's there in verse 2? But can you also understand that when that moment came that you had to take that child that now you've loved on for three years, can you imagine now taking that child and just releasing him to the promise that you had made? Oh my goodness. Look what happens later in the chapter. Verse 27 and 28. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition that I've made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. And as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And you might say, that well, she lent him to the Lord. It's not like she gave it. No, there's a play in the, on the word in the Hebrew. And that is a proper translation. But there's kind of a play if you do uh, kind of a background study of that word. She is fully committing Samuel to the promise that she made and the vow. She's keeping the vow. But it's actually a wordplay on the names there that we don't quite get in the English translation. And so it kind of comes off that, okay, I'm lending him. No, she is giving him wholeheartedly there. Maybe you didn't make a vow to God that you would have these beautiful little children. But do you know that it's going to come a time, and that time is even today and every day of your child's life, where you are going to give him to the Lord. And some days it's going to be really easy. Lord, take him. Take her. <laughs> Keep her for a couple of years if you want. Man. And there will be other days in sickness and there will be other days in... where you're just going to say the safest place in the entire world for this child is in my arms. And there's going to be sometimes, sometimes that God's going to go, no, the safest place for your child today is in the center of my will, floating down a Nile River. They're laid out on a sacrificial thing to, to, to be taken from a dad. That's kind of overwhelming to us. That doesn't make kind of sense to us. What we really want God just to say, and they all lived happily ever after. And God's will and his call upon your children's lives is more amazing than you could ever imagine. I started my ministry career off in, in student ministry, and, and there was this time that this young man came, and he was just really, he just loved the Lord, and, and his parents were so excited because I think it worked out in his behavior that he was more behaviorally uh, appropriate. Uh, since he came to know the Christ. And so they were kind of looking at this moral uh, ability and go, man, I, I like this whole Christian thing, this whole religious thing, because they had a more moral son. They kind of missed the whole point. And one day the son so desired and felt the call to go abroad to serve Christ in missions. And all of a sudden it crossed the line in the hearts of this mom and this dad. Hey, we wanted Jesus 
to make sure that we had a good moral son that would grow up and, and do smart things and make smart choices. But, you know, we don't know about sending him halfway around the world to a place that's in fighting to spread the gospel. And you know, I found that in my own life, that I want all the good things that come out of raising a child in the truth of God's word. And there's sometimes that God is asking for us as parents to just let go, to trust him. And I promise you, it's one of the most challenging things that we overdo in our lives. I can't imagine what Hannah went through as she made that trip back to give to the religious authorities of the day to the Levites and said, okay, I made this vow to God three years ago that if he gave me a son that I would commit him to the work of ministry and here he is. I, I, I keep this vow. How just incredibly hard that would be. And yet that's what God calls us. Second chapter, we're not going to go through it, but... Uh, in the second chapter there, right after 1 Samuel 1 and chapter 2, uh, we have what's called Hannah's uh, song. And it's a prayer of thanksgiving, of worship that she gives to the Lord. And uh, instead of walking around just all depressed and discouraged and going back and going, I can't believe that I'm having to give up my son Samuel, she sings this song to God. She writes this prayer to God. She sings out from her heart and every affection and intention that she has. And she said, God, you are worthy. One of the most incredible things about that prayer that Hannah prayed, this is so cool. After Jesus is born, Mary, his earthly mother, Mary sings a song. She, she prays a prayer in Luke chapter 1. And you know what that prayer is? Hannah's song. Isn't that not cool? That Hannah just prays out of the overflow of her heart and the most trying time of her life to give this son, as she had vowed, I dedicate him to God. I can trust God with my child. And then hundreds of years later, her praise and her worship are actually reflected in the song that Mary sings in Luke chapter 1. This morning, we ask the question, how do we dedicate ourselves and our children to God? By knowing God, trusting God as truth, raising them in the truth, and trusting God wherever he may lead them and call them. At this time, I'm, I'm going to ask the families to come up. I think if we maybe, um, Lanier, since you're over here, we're going to have you and the Spillers. I know that you're kind of over here. But if y'all can kind of join over here, maybe the Nicholson family over there. And uh, But we'll just gather two families over here and one family over here. And family members can come up, certainly mom and dad and child. But uh, other family members, please come up if you'd like to and stand with them. You don't have to. But uh, we'd love for you to come up and stand with them. And if I make this through, again... uh, I was always taught by my dad, men don't cry. And love my dad. Love my dad. He taught me so much wisdom. But God got, a dad got that one thing wrong. 
that God has made us in a way that uh, just pure emotion and love and feeling, sometimes it just grabs us our, our heart. And so I pray that I make it through this uh, part of the service today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you a question, parents and families. And your proper response, if you're in agreement with this, not just in an emotional way, but in a way of truth, is that we do. You just simply say, instead of I do, you say we do, okay? And so, um, first question. Do you come today to publicly present your child as a gift from God and that they are His but placed in your care for this season. Do you agree with that? Do you commit to raising your child, as Paul said, to be acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus? As you make that commitment today, as you realize the gift that God has given you, and and to raise them in the beauty of the gospel... I pray that you truly much will be able to make this last commitment. Do you dedicate yourselves to providing a Christ-centered home, a living and living a Christ-centered life to the best of your ability by God's grace to love this child and show them the ways of Christ through your life? And as you make that commitment this morning, I've got a question to you, church. You know, one of the things that we try to, this part of our DNA here is that we believe in intentional intergenerational relationships, that the young and the old, and uh, that, that this is a church affair. This isn't just three families making a commitment. This is a church affair. And so I ask you this, church family, do you dedicate yourselves to help these families, minister to these families, to encourage these families in the promises that they've made today? And that means even signing up for VBS. I mean, it really does. It really does. It means that we, that we do those things, guys, that they're a part of making sure these kids have every opportunity to know the truth of this scripture that will lead them in the ways of salvation. Well, as you've made that commitment today, I have something for you. And uh, can we show that first slide there? This is Verity Claire Lanier. When she's happy. When she's happy. <laughs> and I, I give this to you today, and, and this is a letter that, that I, I hope that you can hold dear and, and close. And on the day that she would place her trust and faith in Jesus Christ, that you would give this to her. Because it will remind her of the commitment that you made this day, and that a family stood with her, and, and and a church stood to love her. And Julianne Rose, this is for you. And uh, we pray that at an early age, you'll come to know and trust Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I did this in alphabetical order, so I'll be back in just a second. <laughs> because I don't want to mess up the, the, the pictures here. Boone David. Wow. Already. Praying for the day of his salvation. The day that he will trust Christ. That he will be able to not look at your faith, but that he will find his faith 
because you've laid a groundwork and you've surrounded him with people that said, yes, this is the way to go. This is what you can trust God with all your life because he's seen that not just in the word, but he's seen it reflected in your lives. And I pray that that will come in an early age. And to William Ridge, I pray that early, early, early in his life, you'll be able to give him that letter. I mean, at six or seven or eight or nine, whatever the Lord, sovereign Lord will, will do in his life. And you'll be able to say on that day that we trusted you. We, we made a commitment to God. But your salvation wasn't based on our commitment. We just made the commitment because we know that that's the only way to salvation. And so we prayed for you every day. And on that day that he trusts Christ as his Lord and his Savior, that you can reflect and say, you know, thank you, God, that you allowed us to play a small part in this. Guys, today we've been blessed. We've been blessed to have these families. And as we uh, have this closing prayer, uh, Ricky, are you? will you get ready? We're going to sing uh, probably one of the most simple songs in the entire world, uh, Jesus Loves Me. And yet in the simplicity of that song is the profound truth that we rely upon on this day. That because God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, that whoever places their faith and trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is our hope. This is your hope. This is Boone's hope. This is your girl's hope. This is the only hope we have. Not our goodness, not our ability to keep a, a faithful vow, but put our confidence in a God that so loves us that he gave us his son. So as we would stand this morning, let us sing this song, and then we're going to pray. And then uh, they've got some pictures to make. But after that, you can uh, you can go, or you can come and rejoice with them today. Now, Father, take the commitments that we've made in our hearts and lives as parents, as family, as church family. And Father, let us now be like Hannah and let us be like Abraham and let us be like Jochebed. And Father, let us follow through that even when you call us into things that are hard and difficult, that we will place our faith and that you have a better plan than we do. So Father, help us now raise these children in your truth. As Paul said, in the sacred writings, so that they would be wise for the day of salvation. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we pray all this in the hope that is Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook. Facebook. 